Good morning. All right. How's everybody doing? I like that question. Good. I mean, no, no, one, no one pipes up to the guy in the front if you're not doing well when he asks that question, right? It's like, I'm awful. You know, like, anyway, I, I like that question. That's kind of fun. That's good. That's good. Awesome. All right. It's, uh, my name is Jake. For those of you guys that don't know me, um, they let me back up here to speak. So I, I guess I haven't, uh, I haven't blown it yet. Um, I'm back. So yeah, I, I'm going to be speaking this morning on the kingdom of God. Yeah, somebody likes the kingdom of God, at least one. Um, I'm going to be speaking from Romans chapter 14. If you have your Bibles with you, uh, you want to go to Romans 14. I will have it on the screen, but if you want to flip along with me in your own translation, Romans 14, I'm going to start in verse 14. And um, to give you some context, actually, why don't we just, let's just pray before we start. I just want to kind of get us settled or get me settled. I don't know if you guys are nervous, but I am. Um, Father, thanks for today. Thanks for the opportunity to, to know you. Um, you said in John 17 that eternal life is, is knowing you, and you sent your only son that we could have eternal life, so we could have a knowing and a relationship with you. That's amazing. I want to just dwell in that this morning, and Father, I pray that in that knowing of you that you would speak through me this morning and that you, we would all just meet with you, that you're the only teacher and we want to learn from you. We want to come out of this different. We want to know more of you. We're in a posture as we are here this morning of seeking you. Maybe some of us for the first time, I mean, are you real? Or some of us are, are so sold out and just want to plumb even more of the depths of who you are. So thank you, Father. Come Holy Spirit this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So I'm going to give you guys some context before we start reading in Romans 14. I'm going to start in verse 14, but to give you some context, okay? We call this the book of Romans, but it's actually a letter. It's a letter to a church in Rome. It's a letter to the Romans. And it's, it's after Jesus has rose again from the dead. So this is a church. It's a community that believes in Jesus Christ being the Lord. And um, like other communities, like churches here today, they, they have problems. They have little things that go on, disagreements and problems in their own community. And we're reading a letter from Paul to this community in Rome about it. And, and this section we're going to read, um, he's helping them deal with a the problem they're having where People are getting offended, and, and it's causing some conflict, okay? It's not a very relatable problem to us today, but I want to give you the context because it's going to be confusing. So in that time, um, there was a variety of different religions, and you could, I mean, there still is today, but what would happen is you could go in the marketplace and buy food, and some of the food that you could buy in that marketplace was actually sacrificed to idols before it was put in the marketplace. So that it was just a part of the practice in certain beliefs. You would, you would kill the goat or whatever on an altar, and then you'd go sell it. It was a part of how they believe that's how they did it, right? So for some people, now that they believe in Jesus, maybe, this is my speculation, but it, it violated their conscience to, to eat that food now that they believed in Jesus. It violated their conscience. They didn't, they didn't feel it was right. This food was sacrificed to a different God. It, it violated their conscience to eat that. And, and some people, it didn't really bug them. Some people would eat this food or they wouldn't ask questions in the marketplace like, hey, did you happen to sacrifice that animal? Like, did it, it didn't bug them, so they didn't worry about it. But what was happening, as you can imagine, is that because it bugged some people and didn't bug others, they would come together for a meal and some people would be eating this food that was sacrificed to idols and it bugged the others, right? And, and it caused a problem. It was offending some people and some people were bringing that food to the potluck. You understand what I'm saying? And, and, and it violated their conscience, so it started to cause problems, right? The same way that us in our community could have a problem where someone's getting offended and it doesn't violate their conscience, right? So. I'm going to read from Romans 14. This is what Paul's saying to this community about how to deal with their problem, okay? All right. So, Paul says, I know and I'm convinced on the authority of the Lord Jesus that no food in and of itself is wrong to eat. 
But if someone believes it is wrong, then for that person, it's wrong. And if another believer is distressed by what you eat, you're not acting in love if you eat it. Don't let your eating ruin someone for whom Christ died. Then you will not be criticized for doing something that you believe is good. For, what the, kingdom of, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. If you serve Christ with this attitude, you will please God and others will approve of you too. So this passage could be, there could be a, like a micro lesson for you here, right at the beginning of this section. You may not have realized that the Bible actually teaches something that could be a sin for you may not be a sin for other people. If it doesn't violate your conscience, that's okay. But if it violates your conscience, you've got to pay attention to that. It's not just eating meat sacrificed to idols. It's really anything. If it bugs you, you've got to kind of deal with that. It may not bug the person beside you, but if it violates your conscience, you have to deal with that. There's kind of a little bonus lesson here for you this morning is that it's not just here's the list of what is a sin and what isn't. Sometimes you have to deal with the fact that it bugs your conscience. It could mean something to you. It doesn't mean to somebody else, right? So you can see what's going on. These people... Um, are, are offended about the food that they're eating. And what I'm going to focus on today, let me flip, flip ahead here. This is what struck me when I was reading this passage. It's, it's Paul's because statement. He highlights it in verse 17. Here's how he deals with this everyday community problem in their context. He says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. I, th this really struck me that this is how Paul is answering this problem, okay? If there was a problem in our community here today, you know, and somebody said, guys, um, don't do that because the kingdom of God is living a life of peace, joy, and goodness in the Holy Spirit. I'm not sure if we would all be like, got it. And then, you know what I'm saying? Like, like I, it just, th this struck me. I'm like, how is this an answer to their problem? What, what, what is he pointing to, right? And the more I read about the kingdom of God, the more I've actually come to see that it's actually the centrality, it's, it's the big point of Jesus' message. It's what he spoke on the most. If you actually just took a poll, it's, it's what he talked about the kingdom of God more than anything else. Not whether you'll go to heaven or hell or whether you pray a prayer. It's he talked about the kingdom of God. In Matthew 4, Matthew summarizes Jesus' message by saying, from that time, Jesus began to preach saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's how Matthew summarizes what Jesus said. Turn, repent means turn from what you're doing, think again and turn a 180 degree and, and live differently because the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is near to you. It's a hand, it's close. This is the main point of Jesus' message. And it struck me in this Romans 14 passage, they definitely understood it too. Like this isn't, this isn't a complex thing that's just for the elders to read. This is an everyday problem that we're talking about. And they understood the kingdom of God in a way that it was an answer for them to stop this problem about eating food that was offending some other people. So the first thing I want to highlight is that we're meant to understand this, right? Jesus, how many of you guys know, if I say the Lord's Prayer, you guys know what I'm talking about, the Lord's Prayer. You guys know this? Most of us in the room, it's um, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You guys have probably heard that recited somewhere, even if you don't have it memorized. But at the second point in that prayer, he's praying, um, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus gave that as an example for his followers as to how to pray. So J Jesus intended his followers to have an understanding of what the kingdom of God was, didn't he? If, he, if he's telling us to pray that, if that's his example for his followers, your kingdom come, his followers were meant to understand that, right? And here's the next thing I want to point out about this is, here's what I infer from this, is that the kingdom of God had something to do with their day-to-day -day life. 
the kingdom of heaven wasn't just like something that they were going to experience after they died, because it was an answer to an everyday problem. There's a conflict at potlucks, and he's saying, guys, he's pointing to the kingdom of God. He's not saying, don't eat meat because you might go to hell. He's saying, the kingdom of God isn't about that. It's, it's, it's living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. It, it very much had to do with their everyday life. Does that make sense? Are you guys with me? Um, so this was new to me. This was like, it was like, wow, I don't, I don't know that I really caught on to this before. I, I, I don't know that I understand the kingdom of God that way. If somebody gave that answer to me about my problems, I just, I don't know that I understand exactly what he's getting at, right? So the core of this Romans 14 passage, I think you guys are getting, at least the, the simple message of just like, you need to prioritize what other, how it affects the people around you above your entitlement to eat what we'll meet in this, in this example, right? And that's a principle, right? It's not just about meat. It's, you need to prioritize the faith and, and the encouragement of those around you above your own pleasure, right? Here's what Romans 15 says right after this. It says, we who are strong must be considerate of those who are sensitive about things like this. We must not just please ourselves. We should help others do what is right and build them up in the Lord. For even Christ didn't live to please himself. So the message is, is we have to prioritize other people. We have to be considerate of people that are sensitive to something around us. It's really important. We should help others do what is right and build them up in the Lord. That's a higher priority than, than our entitlements. And it's, it, he concludes in the first part of verse 3, right after this Romans 14 thing we read, even Christ didn't live to please himself. Um, Je Jesus really was the kind of the pinnacle example of this, right? He, let, me, let me just read from Philippians chapter 2. I don't know if I put this on the slides or not. Oh, I did. Check this out. Nice. All right. Jesus, Romans 15 said Christ didn't even live to please himself. And this is the extent. Philippians 2 does a beautiful job of showing us what I'm talking about here. It says that though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges and he took the humble position of a slave. That's worth slowing down and just reading again. All right. Just dwell on these words for a second. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges and he took a humble, the humble position of a slave. It sounds to me, I mean, the simple way to explain this is that it sounds like he gave up a lot more than meat at potlucks. Does that make sense? He was like equality with God is what we're talking about here. It's more than meat at potlucks. And, and, and he saw something that was, that he gave it, it was a higher priority to, for him to come after us in love than for him to hang on to his equality with God and all that comes with that, right? Isn't that amazing? It's so much bigger. It's a, it's a radical example, and Paul uses that as our example. If that's how Christ lived, we're supposed to follow in his footsteps, right? So this, this is a really, this, this, is, this is kind of a simplistic message, and I think, honestly, I, pr I probably could have made this 30 minutes long, and I think this is probably, this is probably where, you know, if, if you're like me, sometimes this is what you expect the sermon to be, okay? It's, it's Christ did a lot better than, than we're doing. We should do that too. Let's pray, go home and try that. And we'll come back next week and be reminded of the same thing. You, you understand what I'm getting at? Like, this is, this is in, in some cases, this is kind of where we expect the message to stop, right? And what struck me is I was, is, I, I love this quote. I'm going to read this. It, I have this slide. This, so this is from Dallas Willard, okay? Um, I'm not going to stop my sermon here this morning. The message isn't just Christ is doing a lot better than you and let's slog through and, and try and keep trying week after week. Um, here's what Dallas Willard says that really, this, this inspired my sermon this morning. This, this changed my perspective on everything, okay? Check this out. 
Here's what he says. One of the most outstanding features of Jesus' personality was precisely an abundance of joy. This he left as an inheritance to his students that their joy might be full. Dallas quoted that directly from the book of John, chapter 15, verse 11. And they did not say, pass the aspirin. (laughs) For he was well known to those around him as a happy man. It is deeply illuminating of kingdom living to understand that his steady happiness was not ruled out by his experience of sorrow and even grief. I, just, I want to read that last line one more time. It is deeply illuminating of kingdom living to understand that his steady happiness was not ruled out by his experience of sorrow and even grief. Um, how many of you guys know the, the Christmas story? You guys, like, like, everyone knows the Christmas story, but I'm talking about Luke, Luke 2. Um, so angels show up to, to the shepherds. You guys know that part? The angels show up to the shepherds. They're terrified. And, and, and they say, don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy. joy. Great joy. Um, Jesus said that he came to lead his followers to an abundant life. Life to the full, some translations say. Paul, when he's talking to the Romans, he doesn't just say, don't eat the meat and hang on until heaven. He says, the kingdom of God doesn't consist in those things. It's living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Joy is one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Do you guys know Galatians 5? The, the, uh, the fruits of the Spirit? So if, if you don't know that, I, I don't want to just throw that out there if you, if you don't know that passage. So Galatians 5, the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so when you, when you say yes to Jesus, I'm talking about everybody even today, when you, Jesus, Jesus wants to be the Lord of your life. He wants to walk in relationship with you. And when you say yes to him, you're born again spiritually. The kingdom of God is a spiritual kingdom. And you have a new, you're, you're, you're a new creation spiritually when you say yes to Christ. You're born again, if you've heard that phrase before. When you're born again spiritually, you're filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, having fruit in your life, is just the natural thing that it produces. It's like, like an apple tree produces apples. The Holy Spirit tree produces these fruits. One of those fruits is, is, is joy. It's love and it's joy and, and there's like nine of them or something or seven of them. But it's a natural production of the Holy Spirit in your life to produce joy when you're born again as a Christian. It's for everybody, right? So what I'm trying to, what I'm trying to reason with you here is that it's, it, this, is, this isn't just Dallas Willard saying this. This is actually what the Bible teaches is that there's an experience of joy. There's something in living in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is, is life in the Holy Spirit and a joy in that that's for this life, right? The message of the Bible, not just Dallas Willard, is, is that there's something for us to walk in and experience here in this life. Um, it was amazing when I read that. It's deeply illuminating of kingdom living to understand. His happiness wasn't ruled out by his experience of sorrow and even grief. Um, and, and that John 15, 11 verse is really important too. I really encourage you guys to look that up, that Dallas quotes here in the slide. John 15, 11, it's, Jesus says that it, it's his joy that he's leaving for his followers and it's a full one. That's what, he, that, that, that's what he left his followers as an inheritance, right? That's what we're meant to walk in, okay? Now, I have to be honest with you guys. I was convicted when I was remembering the angels talking to the shepherds about the good news of great joy. I, I was convicted, and, and honestly, I just, the reason I was convicted is because I don't always feel that I've, I've seen that in my life. I don't, I don't know that I know that side of the coin. You, know, you guys know what I'm talking about a little bit? It's like, like I know the message of, of, you know, you're not good enough, and, 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 and Jesus was better than you and try to do that. I felt like I understood that I was always supposed to be striving for something, but I didn't see good news of great joy in the Christian message that I understood. I mean, 
like I tell people, like you tell people about things that you really like. You know, the, the funny example I used to tell people was I, like, I, I, had, I have a go-to sub at Subway, okay? And when I'm going to Subway, I tell people about my sub because it's fantastic. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? It's a fantastic sub, I love it. And, and, and I tell people about that when I'm at Subway with them. But it's convicting because I like, I didn't know, I, I didn't share my, like I always felt guilty for not sharing my faith but I didn't know that it was a good sub. Like, like I didn't want to share it because I'm like, sometimes, like, honestly, I don't know if this is anybody else's experience, but I grew up a Christian. Sometimes you feel like you're walking around with more guilt and shame in your life than your friends who aren't Christians, and it's like, I don't even know if I want to let them in on this. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it's supposed to be good news of great joy, and I'm like, where's, like, you, you don't have to raise your hand, but I feel like I'm, probably, I'm not alone in the room, right? Like, I'm like, I was missing the, the, good, the good sub part of it. It convicted me. I'm like, there's a whole side to this that I'm missing, you know? It's good news, right? Um, unbelievable. I was miss what I discovered, guys, is that I was missing the why in my life. That Paul, even in dealing with this problem in Romans 14, Paul doesn't just say, give up the meat and hang on. He points to something that has to do with their everyday life. The kingdom of God doesn't consist in that. It's living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Jesus, Jesus gave up a lot more than meat. He laid the example for us. And Dallas is telling us that he was known for his joy. The Bible is saying the same thing. Like, how many of you guys know that Jesus spent a lot of time with people that most religious people in their time didn't spend time with? Do you understand what I mean? Jesus hung around prostitutes. He hung around lepers that were kind of outcasts and like people thought they were gross. You know, he hung around with tax collectors and people were flocking to him. They, they were all over him. Like thousands of people were coming to him all the time. And especially those that wouldn't normally hang around religious people. Like, do you not think, like, I, I understand that Jesus performed miracles and they probably wanted to know, okay, what's going on with this guy? But do you not think that he had a joy that was illuminating his life? Like, do you not think that there was something attractive about his countenance and the joy that he was carrying around? I mean, that, that attracts people. People want to see something that's real. You know, and it convicted me because that the, there is good news of great joy that I wasn't seeing, that I, that I still in my life still today, there's more for me to see of that. And I don't know about you guys, but it's not just for 2,000 years ago that I, I, I wish more people saw the joy of Jesus Christ. I want to I know a joy that's going to cause people to be like, what's he got? Because that's how I think it's meant to be. That's what I think the kingdom of God is. That's what I think it means to walk in relationship with him every day. Now, can I, can I just give a caveat, okay? Like, we're not saying, we're, let's not be ridiculous, we're not saying that, that Jesus' life was all like daisies and roses, right? We're not saying it was a skip in the park, okay? That's, the, that's my first disclaimer. We're not saying that Paul's life was all fun, like it wasn't a good time. The guy like, got stoned to death like twice or something. Like, he, it, like, it wasn't a good time. All that, that's not what we're saying, all right? We're also not saying something else. I need to give this disclaimer. We're not saying that the kingdom of God is fully culminated yet. Okay, does that make sense to you? I'm not saying that there isn't more of an experience to come in heaven. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that there's more for us now that I've been missing, you know? But, but there is more to come in heaven. I'm not, I'm not just saying that it's, it's fully heaven now. We're not saying that, okay? What I'm saying is that I've been missing some of the why. I've been missing what Jesus saw in this life that had caused people to flock to him, right? And truthfully, that... that 
that's the question, that, that, that's kind of the, to, to be really blunt with you, I mean, that, that's kind of my sermon, is, is we need to ask God, I need to see this why. <laughs> that, that's actually my posture this morning, is God, there's so much more of this that, that I want to see. Here, like, th- let's not forget, in Romans 14, that was an everyday problem, that they understood what the kingdom of God meant. Paul wasn't giving them an answer that they didn't understand. Jesus told his followers to pray, Father, your kingdom come, because they were meant to understand it. How many of you know that, that we're meant to understand that too? We're not disqualified from this. How many of you know we're meant to walk in that understanding? In a joy where, like, Jesus is, doesn't even know where he's going to sleep, if you guys know that Bible verse, it does, the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. It just means he didn't even know he was going to sleep sometimes. It, it, it says in the scripture he didn't even know, like, where his next meal was coming from. People were bugging him, and, and like, Jesus' life wasn't, like, what we would call a walk in the park. If you just looked at it, you would think that guy must be, like, that guy must really need some aspirin, you know? Like, that guy really needs a vacation. But, but people are flocking to him because of a joy in his life, Right? We're meant to understand. That, that might seem inconceivable to you, but Jesus had a joy that transcended his circumstances. And I meant we're, I, I, I believe, and what I'm suggesting to us is, can we ask God and believe that we're meant to know that joy too? Right? Amen. It's so much like, the message isn't just, hey, the meat is bugging people at the potluck, stop eating the meat. It's the kingdom of God doesn't consist in eating or drinking. You don't find your joy and fulfillment from your steak or from your ability to have a beer or, or like, it, it's, it's not that those things don't feel nice, but that's not what the kingdom of God is. Paul is telling the Roman community, don't fix your attention there. That's what they were born again into is the kingdom of God. Jesus' whole message was repent for the kingdom of God is near to you. It's something that you live and walk in and experience every day. And that's, and it's not just about the pleasures of this life. It's not, that's not what Jesus, it's not what illuminated Jesus' life, right? Um, I would love to spend, I, I could do, we could do like a year's worth of sermon series on what it looks like to live in the kingdom of God. And truthfully, I, I, I would like to do more of that today. Could, um, but what I'm going to do, at least as a starting point, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping to encourage you guys to, to, to dare to ask that question. Father, could you show me what it looks like to live with a joy that transcends just how it's going today? Let my life not be about how things are going circumstantially, but let me see the kingdom of God. Right? I want, to, I want us to dare to believe that. I also want to give a shout out to these books if you're hungry, because I am too, about, about there's something more to this that I've been missing. Um, this is the Dallas Willard book that I quoted here. It's called The Divine Conspiracy. I am 70 pages in, and it's, it's amazing. It's blowing my mind. It inspired this sermon. Um, it's, it's a thick read. I'm going to be frank with you. It's, it's kind of hard to read if, I'm, like, if you're like me. Dallas is a really smart guy. He was like a professor at a bunch of PhD and stuff. I'm like... What does that word mean? You know what I'm saying? Um, so it takes me a while, but it's worth it. It's a really good book. Check this one out. If you're like daunted by reading a PhD, um, check out this one. Much easier to read. This is called The Good and Beautiful God by James Bryan Smith. I think I have a... Oh, look at that. Um, it's called The Good and Beautiful God by James Bryan Smith. Okay, if this caption doesn't make you want to read this, I don't know what will, all right? Here's what it says. The good and beautiful God falling in love with the God Jesus knows. If that doesn't make you want to read it, I don't know what will. I mean, can you, like, like honestly, if you read any of the New Testament, you're going to be like, that doesn't look like most Christians today. You know, <laughs> I'm not trying to be judgmental, but I'm just saying, Jesus knew God in a way that, he, that this is trying to say, we can too. Falling in love with a God that Jesus knows. Like, just a little sidebar here, like, 
Relationship, can I just say that? I got lost a ton, oh my gosh. When I rehearsed this, it was 37 minutes. Wow, nice. I got time. Okay, so check these books out. Honestly, if you're hungry, check these out, okay? And, and um, above that, I have the time to do it, so I'm gonna do it. Um, that caption is really meaningful. Falling in love with a God Jesus knows. How many of you know what the greatest commandment is? There's, there's two parts that are similar in Jesus. It's love God with everything you are. Love, love your neighbor as yourself. It's not do, it's, it's love. That's the greatest thing. So for you to walk in relationship with God is, is integral to your understanding of the kingdom of God. Your experience with the kingdom of God in your life is loving him. There's, there's a, I, I, I can't necessarily explain that. It's a little bit mysterious. I don't fully understand it. But you loving God and, and walking every day in a relationship with him is walking in his kingdom. There's, there's a tie there that we need to understand, okay? So falling in love with him, God's saying, love me. And, and he's not, like, and he's worth loving. <laughs> like, he's amazing. Like, the joy wasn't fake. You understand what I mean? So, the other thing I'm going to shout out, if you're hungry for more of God, I want to, I want to know this, is, um, is the scripture. I'd love to do a whole sermon on, on the role of scripture and the, meant that it's, like what it's, the role it's meant to have in our everyday life. Because it's not just for the guys at the front to know. Like, you understand what I mean? I'm not, I'm not trying to sound condemning, but it's not, it's, you don't just pay someone to read the Bible for you. you don't, <laughs> can I say that here? <laughs> do, you, do you understand what I mean by that? It's, and even if you're not a reader, even if it's difficult, they're, they're like, even if you have to use the audio Bible or you have like, like, like there's practical things to work through, I'm not trying to be insensitive, but, but walking and getting to know him every day in our life, the scripture has a non-negotiable role to play in that. You'll get to know God directly in his word in a way that's gonna be like, eons above anything else. These, even these books that I'm recommending to you are augmenting what it, what it, what is saying in here, and it's going to point you to a relationship with Christ here, okay? And the other thing I want to shout out is talking with him. Um, I'm caught, like, that's another way of saying prayer, but I was deliberate in wording it that way. Talk to God. If you're going to walk with him every day, if you're going to live in his kingdom, eat and talk to him. Talk to him about what's going on, okay? Now, I'm not just done done. I, did ha I do have something else. So what I wanted to do this morning, um, I'm actually going to read it's kind of like a spoken word poem. It's not really a prayer. Um, but I want you to kind of receive it almost like I was praying, if you, if, if you will. Just, I, didn't, I don't have it on the screen. I'm just going to read it over you. But it's kind of like a spoken word poem. Um, I've called it the Great Paradox. And, and um, let's read it. Okay, so just receive what I'm about to say, all right? Um, here's, here's what you might call the Great Paradox. You weren't made for you. You won't find your most fulfilling life by trying to live it for you. You won't find life at all. When we see what Jesus saw, we lay down our life for a spiritual life in the kingdom of God that begins now and carries into eternity. In Matthew 10, 39, Jesus says, if you cling to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you'll find it. In trusting this Jesus who says, give me your everything, make me your top priority, Follow me and I'll lead you to abundant life. You find a love that permeates your whole being. A love that is worth selling everything for. A love that leaves you never thirsting again so that you start to walk around supernaturally. You all of a sudden find yourself outside of the rat race. You don't need the affirmation of those around you to feel okay. You know what your father in heaven says about you. 
you find fear loses a hold in your life because his perfect love literally casts out your fear. All of a sudden, you're more than okay with giving up something that might be nice for you out of love for those around you. And you strangely don't find that you have a craving for those things anymore anyways. Would you dare believe this great scheme that God has set out in his son, Jesus? It's not for those who've got it all figured out. Christians who are honest are on the same level playing field with you as someone who needs Jesus. The summary of Jesus' message that we referenced to earlier was repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. If you're like me and you're still figuring out exactly what that means, I hope you'll still join me in deciding to drop everything else in his pursuit. I hope what you hear this morning inspires you to believe that the Son of God himself wants to lead you to an abundant and deep joy and to make seeking, him, to make seeking this your top priority. Thank you. Amen.